This is the Living Vertizano podcast, brought to you by The Church at Riverstone, a fellowship of the Church of the Nazarene in Madera, California. Today's episode focuses on Jesus' conversation with the Pharisees about what defiles someone, found in Matthew 15, 1-20. Together, we will be discussing God's desire for purity of heart. Hi, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Natasha. I'm Brittany. And I'm Derek. And we are the Living Vertizano podcast, back with you this week. Um, and uh, last week, just as a quick reminder, uh, we, we talked about the importance of fixing our eyes on Jesus in the midst of the waves of life. Uh, and um, that was in Matthew um, 14, verse 22 through 36. And so this week, we're going to just Again, continue our journey through Matthew. We're going to be diving into Matthew 15, verses 1 through uh, 20, and really going to be looking at this interaction that Jesus has with Pharisees and then subsequently with uh, a conversation he has with his disciples about what defiles a person. Uh, And so, Brittany, I think we have you reading today. So, Brittany, would you read for us Matthew 15, 1 through 20? Sure. Matthew Matthew 15, verse 1. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honor your mother, father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, If anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to me. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Do you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. All right, so some interesting stuff there, biology lesson, uh, and among some other things. Um, but what are you guys? What are you guys seeing? What are some observations that you have? I think the first thing that sticks out to me is the the response or reaction of the Pharisees being very legalistic. That's kind of the realm that they stick to, and so um, they're they're you know basing this on tradition which I'm not even sure if hand-washing was actually a law. Um, I know that there were some aspects of cleanliness and things like that in the law, but 
actual hand washing, and I'm not, I'm not sure if that was an actual law. I studied a little bit on it in the commentary, so I'm not even sure that that was something that entered other than just like it became a tradition, not that it was actually a law. It's just something that they followed post-Mosaic uh, law. So, Yeah, from what I was understanding, it's more of a... Um, there is a word for it that I forgot what it's called, um, but it's it's more like a, a tradition old law uh, that was subsequent to the Mosaic law um, that was kind of introduced as time continued. More of an unwritten type traditional law. Mm-hmm. So when we were talking at the kids' table, um, one of the conversations that came up is, who are the Pharisees? Um, and so we were talking about how the Pharisees really are, I mean, they're, they're prior to the church, but they're these essentially church leaders. They're the people, they're the board members and the pastors, and these are the people that are in high um, elevated positions in the church, for lack of a better better term there. Um, but they, they've become so fixed, as Derek was saying, on this tradition that they're missing this whole heart conversation that Jesus is trying to put forward. And um, I, don't, I don't think we can read past that without doing some self-reflection. Um, so like kind of asking myself, well, where do I put traditions? Where do I put things above what I know the Spirit is leading me to do in my heart? Um, or am I, am I even giving the spirit space to speak into certain situations or things because I'm so fixed on, well, that's how we do it, or that's what we always do, or this is what it looks like to, you know, be a part of the church, or this is what it looks like to worship, or this is what it looks like. Um, I don't know, you fill in the blank, but, um, just this conversation kind of arose out of the kids table and it was amazing to see how, how these, these young children are, I don't with a fresh perspective, they enter into the church and they want to know all the whys. Well, why do we do this this way? Why do we do that that way? And I, I don't know, I got to thinking about that. And perhaps that's the reason Jesus wants us to come to him like little children, mm-hmm. part of it, because we have, then we have this questioning mentality constantly and not in a bad way, but, you know, like, a disrespectful way. Yeah. And so if these traditions or things that we've always done, if they aren't consistent with where the Holy Spirit is moving us now, then maybe it's time to reevaluate some of these things, which was a really tough conversation to have in the church. And so, um, I don't know, it was just something, a thought that, that occurred to me about this, this situation and for us to read past it and think that we're somehow, you know, removed from it, or this doesn't affect us today, I think would be, would be unfortunate. I think the whys lead to a more obedient attitude instead of doing something just because that's the way it's always been done. And so, I mean, that, that should give, like, bring us all to this place of, of always asking why. Like, I think Jesus is okay with why. Like, he, he had a lot of whys here. Granted, he was like, you still don't get it, you still don't get it, but I think he's okay with the why, because at least the why comes with a heart of wanting to do what's right, as opposed to tradition can be just like 
because this is the way it's always been. And there's less why in that. Or even like wonder, like we don't, like you don't really wonder the same way, like wonder, not wonder. But anyways, you don't wonder like in the same way, like when you just follow tradition or follow the same path, like. It becomes mechanical instead of being heart felt or heart led. And I mean, I think even in, in our group of kids, like they've made me look at things like, you know what, like I get why Jesus like has said some of the things he said, like to have faith like they do, like they, they think if something's going to happen, like it's going to happen. And, and they, uh, they can, they can create as much change. God can do as much through them or more than he can through us because they're willing to ask the wise, and sometimes we're not. Mm-hmm. They come in with such a fresh perspective. But, yeah. I think following rules and traditions is the easy way. You know, it's easy. Well, for me, it's I'm safe. a rule. Yeah, I'm a rule follower. So if you give me, you know, a definition of this is what you're supposed to do, this is what you're not supposed to do, I can follow that. Like, mm-hmm. no problem whatsoever. But having to think in provide space for the Holy Spirit to speak to me and give me, because I will always second guess things. Mm-hmm. I will always be like, are you, I'm, are you sure that's what you want me to do? Are you sure that's you? Am I sure that's you? And it's not me thinking that I should do this. And, um, but I, I think tradition is a safe place for me. That's where I tend mm-hmm. to go or have tended to go because that's my personality. My personality is follow the rules and I can do that very well. But to yeah, provide that space is hard and it's vulnerable because the Holy Spirit, I think in my, in my, in my life has caused me to step outside that comfort zone has caused me to step outside those traditions and rules that I've held so tightly because that's what I'm supposed to do and put me in places where I'm not so confident and not so comfortable. Um, but that's where he's used me the most. That's the places where I really have felt his presence. I've really felt that I am doing exactly what God has called me to do when I'm pushed outside of what my traditions have told me that that's what I'm supposed to do. So the thing that grabs my attention in this uh, initial exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees is the uh, the second half where... so. The Pharisees have called Jesus out for something, for one of the laws, and now Jesus is going to call them out on one of their laws. And he says, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Um, And he's speaking about this uh, law that they have where a a child, a a kid, uh, not really a kid, but a child of, of parents can actually bypass caring for their parents if the resources that they would use to care for their parents are quote committed to the work or use of the temple. Um, and so essentially Jesus is saying like, how come you can so easily overlook like this law that you have put in place, which actually speaks directly against one of the 10 commandments. Um, and, and yet be calling us out for not washing our hands. Uh, and, and the reason why this thing, this, this law grabs my attention is because going back into this conversation about tradition and into this conversation about like asking questions is 
I feel like um, it ultimately brings me to this place of, you know, the reality is not all traditions are bad. Like I'll start by saying that just because something is a tradition doesn't mean we should immediately dismiss it. Um, but I think that it would be wise and, and it's what this section made me think about it. I think it would be wise that we evaluate our traditions and we are willing to ask the questions about the tradition. Like, well, why do we do this? What, what benefit is it? Who is benefiting from this tradition? I mean, I look at this particular passage and, and the ones who made the law are the ones who benefit from it. Like the Pharisees benefit from somebody, quote, committing their wealth to the temple instead of giving it to the parents. They stand to benefit. So of course they're going to defend this. I guess there's a whole many different layers of questions that I have as a result of that statement. Like, you know, what traditions do we have in the church or in our body that, um, that are clung to because of who they benefit? Um, and is there a reason, like, should we continue doing them? What was the original intention of them? Are we still in that place right now? I don't know. There's just a lot of questions now that I have as a result of that. Um, but I think that goes with what you said about like, maybe that's why, you know, Jesus says, bring the children to me because they're willing to ask questions and, and they want to ask the questions. And maybe this is a passage that says, just ask the questions. I don't know. Well, I would also say like, if you look at verse eight, so it says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so it can be easy in that vein of getting into something that's routine or tradition where you just go through the motion. Mm -hmm. And so maybe it's not even like that you're intending to do something like contrary to what God's called you to, but you just just haven't thought about it. Yeah. Like there's been no like explanation as to why or, or nobody even asking the why it's almost essentially like you can create a, a body of people who are, are doing exactly what God doesn't want us to do. They essentially become robots. They come in, they, they play their part. Like I was here on Sunday. That's my part. I took communion because that's what we do. Like, I don't have the why I, you know, I participate in all these things that we do, but like, it's, it's easy to just get to that point of going through the motion because tradition can like, just be kind of like what Brittany talked about earlier. It can just be comfortable. Mm. And so it removes or absolves the goer or the consumer from this, like having to understand anything because we just do it because that's what we've always done. And so if we're not doing our job of reminding people, like, mm-hmm. and I know there's more to it than just reminding people why, but if we're not having these conversations and helping people understand why we do these things or why it's important, um, then it just becomes a, a mechanical process. And we're not trying to create like people that just come in, consume and go. Like Mm -hmm. if we're doing that, then we're no better than the Pharisees. Like we're trying to create change in people's lives and not that we, but you know, trying to create the space for change. Right. Yeah. And so Christ through us is trying to help create that space for change. And if we're, if we're just doing it the same old way we've always done it, we're, we're creating robots. Hmm. Because you, you want a heart change right. at the end of the day. And heart change really requires some level of understanding. Um, and a willingness to, to you know, recognize that 
there's work to be done. Like no matter where you are in the process, even if you've been a part of like, call it the machine, like for a while, like say you've been saved for 40 years, it can be easy to fall into that. So it's like that constant, like coming back and, and like being reminded or being, you know, never getting too far from the original point. And it's a heart issue and you can have all the head knowledge. I mean, I think I know a ton of people who have the head knowledge of, of why we do things, but there's that disconnect like from their head to their heart that's, you know, they've allowed to be flipped and Mm -hmm. like the pathway has been severed essentially not, maybe not entirely, but. You know, as we were talking about this, I thought, man, so I, so the little kids coming back to that, they're the ones who are asking us the questions, but little like young believers in Christ, they're also the ones who are asking these questions. And I think when the church gets too far from taking in new and young believers, like all we attract, maybe we're growing, but we're just really attracting Christians who are already Christians and either they've moved to the area, but there's no transfer growth. Yeah. Transfer growth. There's no new, um, new Christians, then we don't necessarily wrestle with the same questions, especially when we don't create the space for those new Christians to be able to ask these questions, um, to, of people who are going to hear this in the greater congregation, you know, because a lot of churches will have like a new believers class or something like that. But the only person who's privy to hear that is the person who's facilitating that class. Usually it's not going to go to the greater body. And so that might be a really good place. Like if, it's hard for us who have been in the church for, for, I don't know. I feel like we've been in it a while. I know there's people who are, have, have been in the church for far longer than we have. Um, but I feel like it's harder for us to question things, um, than it is for somebody who comes in from the outside. And so it's like, we either need to try to inhabit, like what would somebody who had never seen like church before, but then they come in, they walk into this, and all of our traditions and stuff, what things would they have questions about? Um, but what's even better than that is having somebody who can ask those questions. And so I don't know. I, um, I just, I think that that's a really important thing for us to, to be remembering is that we say, you know, these young believers have a place in the church right. and they have a place to serve. Maybe one of those like really big important places that we need them is to question tradition. And, and allowing space for that because not a lot of places that I've been to would really allow a space for maybe on a one-on-one basis. But like, I do think that it, I could see benefit in everybody experiencing the, the why, mm-hmm. w- whether you've been in there a day or, or 30 years, like, or, or, you know, however long you've, you've been. Cause you know, it's easy to forget. Well, yeah. So, I mean, uh, we hear that like <laughs> the, is the children of Israel, how many times do we hear like, the cycle being repeated of, of repentance, and then they, they fall away, and then they turn back to God, and then they're restored, and then the cycle begins again. And so I think that reminders are a, a, an extremely important part. And so we have to create space for people to be able to ask the, the whys. As we continue on here in this, this passage, um, Jesus gets really pointed about how he's dealing with this kind of leadership in the church. Um, and in verse 13 and 14, he says, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. 
when you think about, well, what do we do with these plants that are pulled up by the roots? Usually I'm thinking weeds, you know, and I know we've talked about weeds in other contexts previously, but here he's talking about these weeds that are, you know, kind of disguising themselves as God's chosen. Um, and we throw our weeds in the trash, you know, and send them away. And so, which I mean, is a heart like this is a harsh reality, but Jesus then continues to say, leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. And so as I'm reading this, I'm kind of wrestling with both like me on the one hand, who am I following? So I'm asking myself that question. And then also, um, who is following me? Um, because usually you're always going to be discipling someone and whether towards Jesus or away from Jesus, you're discipling them. And so, um, I don't know, evaluating kind of where, what, I guess, what kind of leader are you? Are you blind? Um, am I blind? Am I following someone who's blind or are they hearing, are they being filled with the, the spirit, um, or is the fruit there? You know, Jesus has spent all this time talking about what it looks like for people to be living in, thriving in the kingdom of heaven. And now we're getting this contrast again. And we've had a couple of contrasts of, well, this is what it doesn't look like. Um, and so I just, I, I see this as a huge caution as Jesus is, he knows the cross is coming. He's preparing his disciples for this. And I just, as his disciples, I feel like we kind of find ourselves into this in the same situation. Who are we following and who are we being followed by? And so by extension, how are we leading? Natasha, when you said that, um, it, you know, we're all parents here. So we all have those little disciples that are in our home. And the first part of this, when it was talking about traditions, it made me think about, um, how I parent. Um, I parent the way I parent because that's the way my parents parented. That's a lot of parents. Um, but I, I parent that way because that's the way they did it. And, um, you know, evaluating how I do things, not because my parents parented that way and I turned out okay. That seems more of a traditional statement as opposed to mm -hmm. I'm parenting this way because this is what God has called me to do. Mm. And if we parent just because it worked for our parents, then it feels like we're just teaching. Our teachings are just on mere rule, human rules mm -hmm. and that we are possibly leading. We are blind, leading the blind that we're telling, we're pushing our kids and with all good intentions, pushing our kids, leading our kids into a way that this is the way that we were taught. This is the way that we think that we're supposed to be, that we're supposed to parent you. And, um, if we don't break those, I hate to say it, but it, it kind of feels that way. Those, those, those generational curses, those generational traditions, we could really, we could all be blind leading the blind and we could all fall into the pit. I think it's important to think about not just the church in this context, but also how we're parenting and how we're leading, mm -hmm. um, not only our children, but those around us. Coworkers. Yeah. Because, 
you know, something that worked for somebody else is may not be what God has called you to in this moment. And a lot of times when, when being leaders, there are different leader strategies that you can use. And some people require different methods. Some people require you to be more firm. Some people require you to be a little more laxed and just listening to the Holy spirit and knowing what needs to happen and where, and not allowing the traditions to be the guide, I think is very important. So if we were to, if we were to back up a couple of verses, um, something that I, I, I think would be important to point out is like Jesus has this interaction with the Pharisees and verse 10 gives us a context of where this is taking place. It's not like this private interaction where they're challenging. It's almost like they have publicly called him out in an effort to discredit who he is and what he's doing. And Jesus doesn't shy away from it. In fact, it says that he called the crowd to him. So it's like, all right, you're going to do this in public. Let's make it more public. Everybody gather in, let's have a conversation. Um, and, and he does um, his Sermon on the Mount thing with this whole conversation. And that's what I'm going to call it, his Sermon on the Mount thing, uh, where he takes this, like, this statement of, well, you've heard that it was said, but I tell you. And, and it's this heart conversation that you guys have been talking about already for, for this whole time, this, this idea that like, you've heard it was said to uh, live to this standard to abide by this rule. But I need you to understand that this is an imperfect understanding of what I'm calling you to. There is so much, so much more. And, and it's not that like, I'm, I'm taking a step back from scripture for a second. It's not that Jesus doesn't want people to be pure. <laughs> it's that he's saying you have a misconception of what purity actually is. Right. Let's have, let's have this talk. Uh, because I do want you to be pure, just just like the Pharisees are saying, like, ah, you got to make sure you're living by these purity rituals. Jesus is saying, absolutely, <laughs> like, we need to be pure, but let me help you understand what purity actually looks like. And that's when he goes in and makes the statement of, you know, it's uh, what goes into somebody's mouth is not what defiles them, but what comes out of their mouth. That is what defiles. And And he goes further to to reveal like why that's the case, because what comes out of their mouth is coming out as a result of what is in their heart. And so Jesus gets to the heart of the matter when he starts addressing the heart again. And that's why I say Sermon on the Mount thing. Um, but he, he's saying, guys, it's, it's not, it's not what's on the outside, which we know that it's not the things that you're going to do. It's not these actions that you perform necessarily. It, it is, it's much deeper than that. If we look at like Matthew up to this point, everything that he's talked about, like the law that, you know, came prior to him, the Mosaic law, everything focuses on the outside. And so like, as Jesus comes like from, you know, sermon on the mount up to this point like everything focuses on the heart not what's on the outside and it's almost as if like this is the culminating statement in that like everything that you've talked about that you focus on like the pharisees the ones who call them out it's all focused on the outside everything external to their body but what he's calling them to is something that that they can't touch 
So I imagine that made it difficult. Like if it's something that you can't touch, it you're you're like trusting that that somebody else has to do that because you can't on your own be able to do that. And so everything in their mind is is focused on something that they have the ability to affect. Whereas what he's calling them to, they on their own they they can't do. And now you saying that makes me think, so we have focused heavily on this topic of tradition. Um, and then you were just talking about like, you know, what, what they were looking at was all stuff on the outside and bringing those two together in a conversation. I think that's, that's when tradition becomes the problem. And that's why tradition can be such a problem is tradition often is more about uh, the performance of something or the doing of something and less about the heart that is associated with the doing of that thing. The motivation. The motivation behind it. And so, again, you know, it's not necessarily that tradition is wrong. But if we're going to be continuing on in practice, traditional practices, then as leaders, so if we were to you know, bring in that leadership conversation, as leaders, we need to make sure that the heart is being communicated. The motivation behind the tradition is understood, which is a discipleship conversation. And again, like that, like that the answer to the why really should be a spirit led thing. Right. right. Which is what relieves you from this blind place, Brittany, that you were, you were talking about in the applications of that. I thought about, um, as you were mentioning, you know, this goes beyond parents and it goes beyond the church. Um, how many times as friends are we asked to give advice? Um, just to like, I, I, I don't know if, the guys do this kind of stuff, but we girls, you know, we problem solve out loud. Like it's, you know, we get together and it's like a think tank. Okay. How are we going to get over this issue? Um, Oh, how are we going to show them? Or, you know, what's, how are we going to get through this? And, um, if we're giving advice blindly, like if I haven't consulted, here's back to this vertizontal living idea. If I haven't consulted my heavenly father about the advice I'm about to give, then I'm blind. And anything that comes out of my mouth is blind. And it's going to lead people to be blind. And Brittany, like you said, like scripture says, we're all going to fall into the pit. I think of, I can think of a couple of specific examples that I won't share here, but I've seen this destroy people's lives, like blind advice. Um, and I just... It's a big deal. Like our words are really, really powerful and the actions that follow those are really, really powerful. And so we have to be certain that our heart and our motivation is in the right place. And that is focused with our eyes fixed on Jesus so that his leadership is filling our heart. So our heart and our motives are not blind. So I think we can like bring this kind of into our context, like of, the day we live in, like the society we live in, the culture that we live in. I was looking back, you know, on Facebook, you get the, the memories like, and, um, 
I got like gut punched a couple days ago because I looked at something that I'd shared because I thought it was funny. I did. I, I put a post about a football player on Facebook um, because I'm a big West Virginia fan. Um, so like Marshall's like the little brother in West Virginia. So I put a post about a Marshall football player. And as I look back, like it was a very insensitive post. I thought it was funny at the time, but now like looking back like six or seven years later, like it was a reality check and a conviction that something that seems so innocent, like if that guy saw that, like hmm. that wouldn't reflect who I'm trying to portray. And so like I think of people that I know in the church, especially since like 2016, since since Donald Trump was elected president, people that I know and love have put so many things on Facebook mm-hmm. that do not. And I mean, I'm sorry if this is offensive, but I'm not really because this is what Jesus would do. And so, I mean, if I did it, I, I can't imagine I'm alone. But I saw some things like, I even put something in there that when they did the the Todd Tide Pod challenge, there was something else and Brittany like she like nailed me as soon as I put it on there and I was like, you know what, you're right. And <laughs> I should accountability have, it was. <laughs> and it it was something that I shouldn't have put on Facebook and I took it off. But the point is is like I cannot be alone. I saw people put so many insensitive things that like you you just can blindly lead other people to think that it's okay because, well, because I'm conservative, like this must Mm -hmm. be how Jesus feels. Is it really? Or is that just how I think Jesus should feel? I mean, I've seen so many things. I've even been a part of so many things that I like looking back, like I wish I could walk back and like in time and take those back and I can't. And so it's a, it's a opportunity to grow, but like, it's just we can fall victim to tradition and think that like being conservative like a, a christian must be a republican a christian must like be opposed to a b and c and i won't say things cuz i like it the point of our podcast is not to be uh politically charged but it's to be like jesus and so being like Jesus isn't politically charged, but some people may not like some perceptions that I think we've like we've arrived at together. Like I've been changed by some of the things that that we've said in each other's company. And so I think that we have to be very careful. If we say we are who we say we are, then we should be very sensitive about the things that we're sharing because just because I think that's what Jesus would say, Likely, if I'm putting it out there, I should, I, well, for one, like Facebook's not a platform to like, to use in that avenue, but I better be talking to Jesus and saying, is this what Jesus would say? Because if I'm not, I make a post and then six or seven years later, I have to look at it and say, I was wrong. And I have no way to communicate to that guy that, uh, what I said was insensitive and, and and wrong. And so Jesus, like, recognizing it now, like, please forgive me, but don't let me fall victim to that again. I think we live in such a culture that speaking my truth, talking 
sharing what I believe this free speech, which I, I you know, whatever. Um, but I think that we lose sight that, yes, you know, I, I understand people want to share things and they want to share their their truth. Um, but the truth is Jesus. Right. And if I'm sharing something, I better be very sure that if um, Jesus, we believe that Jesus is with us, Jesus is here with us. I better be sure that what I'm saying would not offend him, would not disappoint him. Because that's one thing I don't ever want to do. I don't ever want to disappoint Jesus. And the social media has made it so easy to be keyboard warriors, to say whatever we want to say and, you know, post whatever we want to post and all these things. Um, but I think, would I be able to say that to their face? Would I be mm. able to say that with love, with the love that Jesus has called me to? I think it's good. And honestly, it made me think, you know, we've come out of, um, what, two, three episodes explicitly talking about parables of the kingdom of heaven, a follow-up episode, which talked about like the implementation of this idea of the kingdom of heaven. And I think implicitly as we approach Matthew 15, we once again are faced with the conversation of what it looks like to exist in the kingdom of heaven. And this realization that if you are going to call yourself a member of the kingdom of heaven, this is your standard your standard is a standard of, of love, essentially. And so, you know, there, there's where our our conversation then can maybe enter with, with Advent. But, like, your standard is love, a heart that loves God, and then a heart that so loves God, it also loves others. And when you have that within, what's going to come out is going to be pure. You're not going to have to worry about trying to go through all these purity rituals and, and uh, all of this, uh, um, the, the traditions of purity, because you are going to be living a life of purity as you live into the kingdom of heaven. Be sure to follow the Living Vertizano podcast to stay current on all our new releases. To learn more about The Church at Riverstone, visit us at thechurchatriverstone.org.